0: This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 125, a contemplative approach to your yoga practice. Are you craving to go deeper in your practice or your understanding of yoga philosophy? If so, today's episode is for you. For this episode, I sat down with Rebecca Pollack. Rebecca has been a yoga teacher for over 20 years and holds a doctorate degree in philosophy and religion at the California Institute of Integral Studies with a concentration in yoga studies. In addition to her academic studies, Rebecca has been studying South Asian philosophy in Sanskrit in a traditional way, especially the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, with renowned teachers of the Yoga Society of San Francisco. She has published two coloring books as a contemplation tool of the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali and is currently working on the third and fourth of the series, the third and fourth podcast, as well as a manuscript entitled The Politics of Yoga. Swamiku Vailayananda and the Indian Independence Movement. She has very generously offered to give you guys two copies of her coloring books. So, to enter our giveaway, you have two options. Option number one go onto iTunes and leave a review for the podcast. Take a screenshot and send it to me by email so I have your email and I can reach out to you if you win. My email is erica with a K. Belanger at gmail.com and you'll find that in the show notes. Option number two: take a screenshot of the episode and share it on Instagram with one of your takeaways from the episode, tagging at On and Off Your Mind Podcast. And so, I will choose one winner from iTunes and one winner from Instagram. Yay! I'm excited for you to discover these books. All right, let's get to today's episode with Rebecca.
1: Hi, Rebecca. Hi. How are you doing? I'm so well. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. It's, it's Thank you so much for joining year. me today.
2: I'm really pleased to be here. So. <laughs> Can you start us off with telling us a little bit about yourself and your yoga journey?
1: Yeah, I have been practicing yoga for about a little over 35 years. I started at a YWCA in Minneapolis and I, <laughs> somebody, I was, you know, working out, I was in my 20s, I was working out on something, but I would spend a considerable amount of time stretching after the workout. And somebody said, you know, you should take a a yoga class. I thought, okay, I'll take one. And I quickly just fell in love with it. The teacher was really amazing. It was really eye opening and transformative in a way that I'd never experience because I was always athletic, but I'd never experienced like releasing trauma and going deeper into mind and body. It was really quite a sensation. And then I ended up starting taking Iyengar classes and I go once a week to this guy that was in the church basement because yoga was still really not very familiar to everybody. Yeah, mainstream. It wasn't mainstream at all. So I would go and I would practice once a week or every other week, depending upon what my schedule was. And then I would go home and arduously practice what we did in the Iyengar class. And if you've ever taken an Iyengar class, they don't do many poses in a class. So I would, you know, spend my time perfecting Warrior One, Warrior Two. Um, Also, like I had no vocabulary when they would say, hug the muscle to the bone or lift this or do this. And I rotate that and I had no idea. And so as I practice, I gained a deeper perspective of myself, my body, my mind, you know, and my breath. And it was, I mean, it's just been a super transformative practice and it just continued. I, I ended up. After about nine years of practicing, I moved to New York City and I was actually going through a divorce and I was, you know, traumatized by my divorce. And so if I couldn't get out of bed by noon to go take a yoga class, my day would be ruined. But there again, the yoga was really helpful for me in releasing trauma and just making me feel better about myself. And then I ended up going through a teacher training process and started, you know, studying the Yoga Sutras and the all these different texts and reading as much as I could. And, and then kind of early in my life in New York, I met this Pranayama master from India who was running a yoga research facility. And I ended up studying with him for many years and I still am in touch with him. I decided at a certain point after living in New York that I wanted to get a PhD and pursue like deeper studies in South Asian philosophy and religion. And so then I moved to California and living in San Francisco and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've been teaching for about 25 years and have been writing and researching all topics yoga related. So, and then I started this coloring book series last year, actually, as a result, kind of two-part result was from my father had taken ill and he was ill for about four or five years. And I was trying to write a biography about my teacher's teacher, and I couldn't concentrate. So I decided that I would start doodling. And I, you know, the kind of person that I am, I needed something to doodle. So I started doodling Mm -hmm. the yoga sutras. And then I showed people my drawings, because I love to draw, I love to doodle, and I love to make fonts and all sorts of things like that. And the response was you should turn this into a book. So I was like, okay. And what's been really interesting about doing this coloring book series, so I've taken the four chapters and I've divided them into four books. And I've really gotten to the luxury of getting even more intimately familiar with Patanjali mm-hmm. and the Yoga Sutras. I've always been drawn to that text and I've studied Sanskrit for like 20 years and just really drawn to just the shortness of it, the kind of unpacking that happens with a teacher, the experiential nature of the sutras that's really profound. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, we're not given a manual when we're born. This is how Mm -hmm. you live a life. This is how you live Mm -hmm. a fulfilling life. And in the sutras, he kind of spells it out for you. Do you want to live a satisfying life? Here's some of the steps that you can do. And so I'm so drawn to that.
2: It's really profound. I agree. Do you find that the coloring and the doodling not only is a moment where you can integrate the concepts of the sutra in a different manner, like from Mm -hmm. being tactile about it and give you like a different way to contemplate what it means yeah, in your life. yeah like you have a bit more time to just sit and kind of yeah. chew with it, <laughs> that yeah exactly it's like sitting with the text and
1: chewing with it in the Christian tradition there's a tradition called Lexio Divina and you sit with the text it's not coloring a text but it's like you sit with the text you meditate on it you keep referring about you know you feel the text you actually chew on the text not literally but you kind of absorb the text and then you kind of allow the absorption of the divine through the text mm, and mm-hmm. for me what's fascinating about the sutras is Patanjali actually has a contemplative practice like that in the second chapter it's the Kriya Yoga where he talks about tapas, svadhyaya, mm-hmm, pranadha. Mm-hmm. 2.1. Yeah exactly so it's like you do something and with the text, you color it and you sit with it and you reflect. And then you kind of absorb this m- deeper meaning through just sitting with the text and coloring, spending time with the text. And then there's this surrendering or absorbing that happens after you've mm-hmm. reflected. And I think it, that's a contemplative practice for all phases of life. You know, Patanjali says, "Do something, practice, mm-hmm. then reflect upon that, and then absorb the information that you get from it, and it's really profound as a contemplative practice.
2: Yeah, why do you think the coloring, that meditative space it brings us in is so supportive? Is it like did you think about that, or it was just like your own you saw a personal benefit for you to doodle while you were? being in contemplation, or did you look into it a little bit more? I actually,
1: because I'm very much a geek on research, I did research on <laughs> yeah. coloring. That
2: what, I, that's what I assumed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I looked up and I read a whole bunch of studies on coloring, and coloring is fascinating. I I hadn't really had an idea how deep you can go with coloring, but when the researchers talk about purposeful coloring, like coloring, say you color a mandala or you're coloring the words of the, you know, a sutra, you are focusing your mind similar to meditation. So you're mm-hmm. focusing the mind there's this kind of interaction and engaging with the text that you don't get from just reading. So a lot of times you'll read the sutras. And like the first time I read the sutras, I remember in the teacher training, we were reading (laughs) Feuerstein's and he's like, you must annihilate your mind. And I was like, Oh no, I don't want to, you know, my ego was like, don't annihilate me. And so when you sit with the text, there's a different kind of blossoming that happens that's really interesting. You pick colors, you know, like you're picking colors that you feel like look good on this page, but you're also interacting with the text on a deeper level and Mm -hmm. on a level that you're not even thinking about. So coloring it actually reduces stress. It reduces blood pressure. It releases endorphins. All these different benefits that you get. It gives you clarity. It, it helps you pay attention. Um, mm-hmm. It's a mindfulness practice. So I mean, I
2: yeah, it I has just, a way to bring you in that moment. It kind of suspends the other things because you're busy doing this one thing. And I find yeah, yeah. it's it's a very interesting practice to. Prepare you for meditation if you struggle with sitting in silence. yeah, uh, it's yeah. kind of a way to work those similar skills in a way that you're tactile and active.
1: yeah, but it yeah. kind
2: of yeah teaches your brain what is a meditative state in the sense of mm-hmm, that resonates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: so in a way, it is similar to asana because I've always told my students asana is a the back door for going into the mind, like, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of just approaching your mind, like sit down and be quiet, you know, Mm -hmm. and the mind will resist that kind of impunity, right? Like you kind of are forcing the mind to do something, but asana, you go through the back door to the mind where it's like, you're instructing, okay, lift that knee, Spread your toes, breathe, breathe, breathe. And you realize that, like, oh my God, I feel so wonderful after my asana practice because my mind has been channeled, channelized, as my teacher says, and it becomes calm and it's flowing in one direction. And then you're able to release and relax at the end of the practice. And so I think that the coloring is very similar where it's you're taking the world, which is cacophonous and you're coming Mm -hmm. in and saying, no, I'm just going to pay attention to this for right now. Mm -hmm. And I've actually colored the first book myself and I was amazed at how delicious it was. I mean, I was like in love with the colors the tactileness Mm -hmm. the engagement the calmness that I felt afterwards and then you have this beautiful thing after you know that you get to see and look at and go oh my god I love those colors you know
2: yeah I think the the fact that we're using more of our senses at once and we're using our creativity is a way Mm -hmm. to learn that's totally different than the intellectual approach I remember Mm -hmm you know, reading the sutra the first time, like you were saying in my first teacher training, and even though it was the English translation, feeling like it's another language, Yeah. like feeling like I read the words, but it Mm -hmm. means kind of nothing for me, like in my embodied self, right? Mm -hmm. It takes time for you to understand really what that means. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very interested backdoor way to go not only... To understand the surface but then go deeper into what it means mm-hmm. for you in your practice.
1: Yeah. And I mean the thing about the books that I've made, it's just like the the Sanskrit and then the translation. And if you want, you can take all your Yoga Sutra books, because I've got like 25 yoga yeah. sutra books <laughs> and I'll just sit them down sometimes. So I'll be like, what does that mean? You know, and I haven't mm-hmm. translated all of the words so samadhi i leave it as samadhi because it's so dense you can't unpack a word that's yeah. so complicated and the other thing is that it for me it's it allows for a relevance today so you get to experience the sutras as a modern thing i'm you know patanjali <clears throat> is still talking to me and that's the one really amazing thing about Indian philosophy is that it doesn't sacrifice the practitioner. You know, many many of the philosophies are like, here, you know what, this is a guideline. If it works for you, work with it. If it doesn't, don't. Or like, you know, in the first chapter, Patanjali, he's very liberal minded. He says, you know, try all these different things to still the mind, or do whatever makes you happy. Do what kind of meditation makes you happy. So if you want to meditate on, you know, whatever it is, a tree or a coloring book or your big toe, it's something that you get to choose. And I just think that's really Fascinating. So it allows, it doesn't stop, you know, 2000 years ago, but it keeps inspiring people. It keeps its relevancy. That's what I'm so amazed with. I love the sutras. I love how dense it is and how like you can unpack it on so many different levels, you know, and I'm working on book three right now. And I haven't spent a lot of time reading books three and four because my main focus has always been book two and book one. One and and two. Yeah. One and two. Yeah. And I learn stuff every day that I kind of, Mm -hmm. when I step into it. So it's really, it's been a really amazing practice for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely feel that the way you talk about it. And obviously you're passionate about that contemplation side. That's one tool for you to do that. And you talked a little bit about asana. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on how we can make our asana practice more or oh yeah, more of a tool of confrontation as well. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. How do you approach that? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I've done that where I've talked about asana as a contemplative practice. I think that a lot of times we'll go to a class and we'll just ask to perform. And for me, what I like to do is actually Ask questions. And I encourage my students to practice things that we've practiced at home and come back to the classes with questions, you know, so that they're engaging on a different level. Sometimes it's just as simple as saying, okay, I'm going to stretch and do a side bend and then come back up. And it's like, what does that side feel like in comparison Mm -hmm. to the other? And how, you know, like watching ourselves. Watching ourselves, how does it make you feel? You know, there's so many different elements that come in with practicing asana because you're working on the skeleton, you're working on your muscles, but you're working on your veins, your arteries, your organs, Mm. your glands, the nervous system. Yeah. Uh And it's endlessly fascinating. So if you can approach the asana with a sense of curiosity and play, Mm -mm 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 -mm. which for me is really important, I've always tried to incorporate a sense of play and being curious is also being playful. And then and what happens really in an interesting way is it starts to penetrate into the areas of your life outside of just practice. So it's like, wow, I really was angry in the subway today, or I <laughs> didn't like what happened there or wow, that really made me happy. How does that make
2: me feel? Like it informs you on a different level of your experience. Just like the practice is not only about the muscle hugging to the bone or whatever words their teacher Mm -hmm. is using, Mm -hmm. like you were saying in the beginning, right? It's not only what is happening on the muscular skeletal system, but there is your energy, there's your breath, there's like more subtle things happening. Mm -hmm. And then within that, there's your whole inner landscape also of your thoughts and your emotions. And then you can bring that and have that same curiosity and subtle Watching of yourself when you're off the map absolutely well, you're learning,
1: absolutely, mm. and then there's that firsthand experience that you get from practice that makes you more secure in your life. So it's not you're less likely to be pushed off your center, right? And if you really go into a more spiritual level, it's like you get to experience source within you almost like you get to see through the eyes of source because you've been cultivating this inner landscape. Like you say, like we're just only aware of the tippy top of the iceberg. There's so much we're not aware of in this incarnation and in, Mm -hmm. in experience itself. And I just feel like yoga really helps us kind of just experience more of a totality I don't know if that's the right way of saying it but it's it's mm. like experiencing yourself on multiple layers
2: you know yeah more fully more fully yeah in a simple in a th- simple way yeah simple way. yeah
1: <coughs> well and that's the the way I like to define samadhi is just a integration you know mm-hmm. samadhi means to put something together that's the sense of integration and integration is like on all levels of the body mind
2: yeah all parts of yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. so here we're having like the benefits of yoga as a contemplative practice I'm struggling with this word but yeah but it's also for any other practices that we do in that sense you know the invitation to go deeper into what we're doing uh-huh. the change uh-huh. of perspective uh-huh. or that you know seeing of a more full picture our ability to learn new things or uh-huh. closer sense or relationship with ourself or are you with source with spirit with god however you want to uh-huh. label that outer other uh-huh. energy so we have yoga we have coloring we have the studies of the text. are there other practices that you do that bring you that same type of focus and presence that you'd like to integrate in your everyday life? Well, I I do meditate every day.
1: I don't meditate. Mm-hmm. I used to meditate for 40 minutes and now I'm only 15. <laughs> but I yeah, feel like it still is very beneficial. Um, the other thing that I like to do is I I have a dog and I live right next to Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. So I'm always out in nature and i belong mm-hmm. to a hiking group and we go i mean we go on these 6 hour hikes sometimes that are just expansive and healing on these deep levels and i think spending time in nature is really important for us and i'm sure like you with you in costa rica it's like you must just step out your door and yeah feel delighted. I can't imagine people in Costa Rica <laughs> being depressed because it's so gorgeous. But the same thing is here in San Francisco is just being out where you feel the elements. You feel the the wind on your skin, you feel mm. like it's cold here a lot so it's like you're wrapping up, you feel that, but you're interacting with the world in a very different way. And I always find that once you step out into the outer realm, not staying inside, you open yourself up to serendipity. And mm-hmm. I I really felt that in New York. So even walking through the streets of New York, for me, when I lived there, was also like stepping out into nature because you'd hear birds, you'd see the trees, you know, you'd feel the sun, you'd feel the shade. So I think anywhere you are, just stepping outside and just feeling what it feels like to be a part of nature. Your environment.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah in a way that you're mindful and present with it, meaning Mm -hmm. maybe you're not listening to music or podcasts or whatever you do that you tend to multitask Mm -hmm. on, Mm -hmm. but, you know, being outside with being outside and with nature and with your surroundings and all those sounds and visual things you can Mm -hmm. see, this is the Mm -hmm. part that brings you, I think, into that presence and contemplation. yeah. I just heard an interview with somebody talking
1: about soundscape and how we tend not to pay attention to sound Mm -hmm. and I'm a very auditory person so I love going outside and it's like oh there's that bird or there's we have a a bunch of crows here that are just full of piss and vinegar (laughs) like so much fun they're full of antics you know and so it's really fun to see them and to hear them and to hear them communicating with one another and then hearing dogs and people and trees Mm -hmm, listening mm -hmm. to the trees moving with the wind. So I'm really a big advocate of people getting outside. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Beautiful. So nature mindfulness practice, yoga practices, things like coloring, meditation we talked about and anything probably that brings you into that reflective space yeah uh, maybe journaling or Mm -hmm. yeah maybe like tai chi qigong these practices as well probably are very supportive for yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah well it's great because i live right by the kind of the museums and in between the museums there's a music concourse and people in the mornings they're always practicing tai chi you know, Mm. and it's really sweet. I just think that it's such a sweet practice to watch because you actually feel the flow and you feel that energy. And that's really wonderful as well. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's good when life is delicious, you know?
2: (laughs) So it's about paying attention to that deliciousness because it's there, but we tend to foresee it a little bit because we're focused on, you know, our Mm -hmm. own survival and the things we need to get done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's been really interesting.
1: Like I have been noticing how I have trained my mind to be a certain way. Yeah. So there's certain things that I don't really like anymore. So I'm seeing if I could train my mind to do something else. And when you look at it as a a playful thing rather than being hard on yourself like oh my Mm -hmm. god I'm so this I'm so that and and you know and rather being a little bit more playful and saying you know okay I trained myself to be grumpy well maybe I can train myself to be happy you know yeah Mm
2: -hmm. can you give an example of something in your life that you consciously decided to work on shifting for yourself
1: yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because I'm 59 and I still feel like I'm 30, but great similar habits of mind. Like, I recently noticed how I, I beat myself up, and I mm-hmm. was like, Oh wow, that's really fascinating because you think that after all this training that I've had, I mean, life is continuously throwing us different things, and so I was like. I'm not very nice to myself. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, so how did I learn that? Because I know from watching children, most children are just happy until somebody trains them to like, (laughs) look, look, watch out, beware, be afraid, be this, be that. And maybe I learned some skills that were good initially to help protect myself. But these skills aren't working for me anymore. So it's like, how can I be nicer to myself? How can I Mm -hmm. be a little bit more accepting and maybe, you know, see myself through the eyes of source, see the divinity within. And I mean, it's not a perfect thing. But you know, it's also like, it's the same way that like, if you're practicing a balance pose, and you keep falling out of it, and you Tell yourself that you're a loser because you keep falling out of it, then that's not not gonna any get easier. easier. That's not gonna get any easier. But if you play with it, if you oh look, I did it again, I fell out. I fell out and I isn't that silly. So what? And then practice it again. So it's the same thing that I've been trying with myself. It's like I just go, God, you're so silly, you know <laughs> what? Silly brain.
2: Silly brain.
1: I mean, Silly I, brain. Some, it's so true. Sometimes I talk to my mind like it's a child, right? Yeah. Not in a bad mm-hmm. way, but I'll be like, they're there. You're okay. Yeah. Or maybe you just need to go outside and play for a little while because mm-hmm. you're stuck. You're stuck here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so. I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to imagine that I'd open the back door and just let my child out. My mind child out. Okay, go and play. Recess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Recess, reset, you know? So, yeah. So, those are some of the things I like to do. But I try really hard to be playful about it.
2: Mm -hmm. You know? I think that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Anything else you want to add before we wrap this up already, before we finish? If there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave with today what would that be
1: i think that i would love people to see patanjali's yoga sutras as a playful text as something you can mm-hmm. engage in it's not i think i was taught and also scholars do this too it's there's a certain mm-hmm. austerity that happens with it and it's like really? you know like we're here for enjoyment mm-hmm. and liberation And we forget the enjoyment part because we're so busy beating ourselves up about something. So it's very interesting. It's like, well, you know what, can you look at, especially with the sutras, it's like, can you look at it as something that's like a juicy, like playful kind of like, wow, what is he talking about here? You know, rather than thinking of in terms of
2: scholarship kind of, you know, and very serious business, you know, very important serious. things, yeah. but I was, I was really thought like, this is a very serious text. Like, you know, there's reverence and there's, and it's good to remember, yes, but also playfulness. Yeah. And curiosity and wonder.
1: Which is reverence, you know, which is respect yeah. and reverence, you know, where yeah. it, so it's like, you can playfully engage and still have a sense of like, how does that make me feel? That makes me feel Oh my God, so juicy mm-hmm. inside, you know, and that's I think that's what the divine wants us to feel, you know.
2: Yeah. Juicy. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great been so much fun. Thank you so much I'll for put- asking me to participate.
2: It's a pleasure to talk about you with this or on this. I'll put all your info in the show notes for people to find you, but in the meantime, where's the best place for them to? reach out if they want to say hello they have more question or they want to get the books or um, anything
1: like that well I'd like to give two of the books away today as well yay yes amazing and then um thank you so much yeah 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 and then if you want to get a hold of me I guess the best would be to go to bluelotusbooks.com <laughs> but it's there a was blue... lotus missing
2: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but the blue is not blue, like the color is what we're trying to. Yeah, it's BLU. B-L-U Lotus. Lotus Books. Uh, yeah. Excellent. So you guys go ahead and take a photo of you listening to this episode with a share, share takeaway. So share one takeaway of this episode on Instagram, tagging it on an off your mat podcast, and we'll choose some winners in this. So we want to hear what you think about this episode, what you leave with and any other impression you have and you can win one of those two books. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rebecca, for your time today.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you listen. If you do it on iTunes in the next two weeks, you automatically enter our giveaway to win a copy of the Coloring Books of the Yoga Sutras. You can also come and connect with us on Instagram at on and off your mat podcast. Screenshot you listening to this episode with your takeaways and you can also enter that way. Check out our membership platform to become a premium member and get your hands on all our exclusive content, including our class library. Find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 125. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening in. Until next time.